Hi folks, Tris here. Thanks for listening to Modem Prometheus, and thanks especially to all of you who have joined our Patreon. We don't run ads, so the whole podcast is supported by you. If you'd like to help out, head over to patreon.com forward slash Prometheus. Members get behind-the-scenes notes, early access, bonus episodes, and a lot more exciting stuff. Today's story is called Precious Things, and is about love and dragons. The dragon sits on a pile of garbage. A broken scooter. A fedora hat with a pheasant feather poking out of the band. A small teddy bear with a patch where one eye should be. When it stirs, the mound shudders, tiny avalanches of ephemera rolling onto the concrete floor. The dragon is not how you might expect a dragon to be. It is undoubtedly huge, and if you look closely you may see the suggestion of scale or the curve of claw. But this dragon does not look like some huge winged dinosaur or a cover model for the bookstore's fantasy section. This dragon looks like what happens when volcanoes dream, a beast made of soot and smoke and coal black eyes. It yawns, and as it does so the room is lit by a red furnace fire, the air warming by a few degrees. The building Westmoreland House used to be an office block, solidly built but derelict for 40 years. Now, the upper floors are navigable but treacherous, the windows long gone, the walls covered in unimaginative graffiti. A woman is picking her way across the floor, treading carefully around the scattered junk, trying to avoid waking the slumbering beast. As she gets closer, A black cat dashes out from some darkened nook and yowls loudly as it twirls around her legs. No, 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 shush, 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 she says, as it increasingly desperately demands attention. The dragon's lava-red eyes open. The enormous, smoky head raises and turns lazily toward her. Ah, it says. I see you have met Pepsi. Ashley goes to see the dragon every Monday. It gives her something to look forward to after the weekend, rather than just another five days under the fluorescent lights of the Bodes Hill Council Planning Department. She has her own seat. The necromantic remains of a 90s-era swivel chair now adorned with a red velvet cushion she's brought in from home. One day, she will manage to reach it without the dragon noticing she's there. Today is not that day. I didn't realise it had been a week already, the dragon says. I don't know that I have anything new worth showing you. Barring Pepsi, of course, but you already appear to be acquainted. Pepsi is curled up on Ashley's lap, purring like a dynamo. Would you prefer if I didn't come so often? Absolutely not. There are very few dragons left. It's good to have the company of one's own kind, even if the pressure to be interesting is immense. The dragon has always insisted that Ashley too is a dragon. She'd said once, half-joking, that dragon wasn't a nice thing to call a woman. 
The dragon had replied that was ridiculous. Dragon was an excellent thing to call anyone. Especially when they were, in fact, a dragon. There's another planning application running for this place, Ashley says. Again, they do keep coming. Ashley shrugs. It's prime real estate. I know. I live here. Don't think they're trying to convert this place because they know it's dragon approved? No? Then I shall be a delightful surprise. The dragon pauses, then says, I trust you are deploying the usual countermeasures. Yeah, don't worry, I've marked it for a full public consultation, structural assessment, noise review, the works. Which, to be fair, we'd have to do for a place like this anyway, but I'll give the contracts to the slowest people I can find. It'll be in bureaucratic hell for years before it gets anywhere. Pepsi decides he is bored of scritches, gets up, stretches and dives out the window. Don't you worry about them? Ashley asks. It can be dangerous out there for a little cat. The dragon remains curled up, eyes closed. Its mouth doesn't move. However it is talking to her, it doesn't involve that. I had another cat some time ago. She was called Esme and was very friendly. She came upon some of the others one night and asked them for fuss. They kicked her in front of a passing car. Ashley is silent for a minute. That's horrible. It was, the dragon agrees. Though not even remotely as horrible as the things I did to them. I gave what was left of them to the spider and told it that the next time one of my cats was hurt, it was the one I would visit. It pauses. Now, when one of my cats asks for fuss, they get fuss. Good. I agree. Now, tell me of your hoard. What treasures have you found? Oh, I've got something amazing, Ashley says, and pulls out a beer mat. While the dragon peers at it, the faded green logo and peeling label, Ashley tells it about the gig she saw two nights ago. A two-piece, guitar and drums, the singer's playing not quite matching her incredible voice, as if she'd only started learning a couple of months ago, but the whole thing bursting with a raw, intense energy. She told it about the packed, sweaty crowd, the way the bass amp seemed to be wired directly into the floorboards, and how she'd sat in the pub downstairs afterwards with a glass of bourbon, Twitter and a smile like a crescent moon. This is why she sees the dragon. Because it cares about things the way she cares about things. Because telling her stories to it leaves her in a better mood than she's been in for the last week. A better mood that lasts until approximately three minutes after she gets home. When Ashley opens her front door, 
On the third try, the lock is sticky. She is greeted by the smell of damp. She was in a rush this morning, forgot to change the pot that's catching the drip under the sink. She needs to call Steve, the landlord, to get it fixed. Just like she does with the sticky lock, or the way the heating is stuck permanently on so the flat feels like she's trying to grow a rainforest. Some exploratory poking and half an hour watching DIY YouTube videos gave her no confidence she could do it herself. Steve's not a bad landlord. He'd find someone to sort it, she knows. But that means someone else would be in her house. Ashley weighs this against the possibility of the kitchen floor rotting away and decides she could quite easily walk on the joists. She takes the overflowing pot and throws the water into the bath. The drip's gotten worse while she was out. What was a gentle metronome is now a frightened heartbeat. Plink, 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 plink. She's going to need a bigger pot. Something seems off about her apartment. Not the drip, or the lock, or the heat. A feeling that things are out of place. The mementos from past holidays. The shell with the red stripe is a bit further forward of the tiny blue bottle of unidentifiable liquor. The rock she picked up from the top of a mountain is a little to the left of where it should be. Her scrapbook. Her scrapbook with receipts of all the things she bought to treat herself, the cinema tickets, the gig passes. It's pulled out slightly from the shelf. The room starts to spin as a dozen tiny discrepancies buzz around her like wasps. A cup has been picked up, moved to another spot. The toilet door is shut, she left it open. Someone has run a finger along the shelf that holds all the copies she's found of Once Upon an Ice Age, leaving a clean smear through the dust and knocking into the spines. She feels that things are out of place, because things are out of place. Steve. It has to be Steve. He's coming to have a look at the place when she's not around, even though the lease explicitly says he has to give 24 hours notice, and he's been touching all her things, and she's going to pull his eyes out through his nostrils. She already has a phone out ready to call Steve and give him a piece of her mind when the toilet flushes and the bathroom door nervously opens. Um... Hi, sis. Liz's long, thin face with its river of dirty blonde hair peers around the doorframe. Could... Could I stay for a few days? Liz is three years older than Ashley and is the bane of her life. Ashley has always collected things. She's never known how not to. Her room growing up was covered with everything she'd found that she wanted to keep, which, at that time, was everything. Every bit of flat surface ended up displaying a rock or a book or a crisp packet or a paper scrap. This all led Liz, as a caring big sister, to invent a game. It was called, If You Can Name It, You Can Have It Back. 
The fact that Ashley could always name it and would recite the precise description and original location in one furious breath while turning an attractive, if unhealthy, shade of purple only made Liz and her friends laugh harder. When they took Ashley out with them, shopping or to a film, they spent more time yelling at each other than not. None of Liz's friends seemed to mind. It was Ash and Liz. It was when they weren't fighting that things were worrying. They're grown up now. Liz lives on the other side of the river with a far too good looking boyfriend inexplicably called Parrot. Ashley doesn't see her as much now. And when she does, it's usually because of things like this. It's just, I mean, she's my sister and I love her, but she knows I don't like sharing my space and we had this whole thing about it growing up. We were fighting about it all the time and this just keeps happening and she's always finding some reason to... Ashley looks at Bren, who has sat on Ashley's desk with her chin resting pointedly on her fist. Were you saying a thing? I feel like you were saying a thing. I did attempt to say a thing, Bren says. I didn't get very far. You got something on your mind, sweet pea? Ashley looks at her desk. Sorry. Bren looks up and around like an antelope on the savannah. Well, I was going to be warning you that Joan's on the prowl, so you might want to be working out what's going on with Westmoreland. Too late now. Good night and good luck. She slips away like water down a drain. Ashley barely has time to put on a smile before Joan is there. She looks at a point just above Joan's left shoulder. Ashley has no idea what Joan looks like. She's never been able to look at her face. Ashley, do you have an update on the structural assessment for Westmoreland House? No small talk with Joan. It's her best quality. No, sorry, I'll chase DMP and find out their schedule. Tomorrow. Joan will not forget this conversation. That is her worst quality. This gives Ashley a small dilemma. She commissioned DMP surveyors to carry out the structural survey because they are notoriously the most incompetent firm in the city. But that doesn't mean she wants to encourage them to actually do anything. Yep, I'll have something by then. Joan nods and goes to hassle someone else. Ashley will work out what lies she could afford to tell this evening. Bren is back as soon as Joan leaves. Partial deflection, good work. Six out of ten. Only six? That was smooth. It was, but you only kicked it to tomorrow. Solid defensive play, but you need to do more for the big points. She pauses, smile shifting gear from ironic to more concern than she lets on. Hey, do you want me to unblock that for you? Joan's not going to let it go. No, it's fine, really. I'll deal with it. The smile remains concerned, but Bren accepts it and returns to her desk. Joan is pushing harder on this one than usual. Ashley brings up the planning application again. Some skyscraper corp is trying to turn it into mixed-use residential commercial units. Ashley would think Joan had taken a bribe if it wasn't so hard to believe she'd do something so interesting. Maybe she's just bored of applications for Westmoreland always falling through. It's been an eyesore for years, on one of the most desirable plots in the city. 
Some of this is definitely due to Ashley. Ashley suspects the rest were due to some suit in a hard hat finding a dragon asleep on the ground floor. She wonders what Joan would make of that. Probably a huh and a note on the clipboard. That was also how Ashley found the dragon that first time. She just joined the council planning department and had been given a brief she highly suspected was meant to phase the newbie. Westmoreland House had been abandoned for decades. Applications to do something, anything, with the building always falling through. It wasn't standard practice, but she'd gone to have a look at the place for herself. She brought pepper spray she shouldn't own and a good pair of running shoes. She'd expected squatters, druggies, maybe a gang. What she'd found was a dragon, which had looked at her and said, Yes? Ashley without entirely knowing why, had said, Sorry, I just love the guitar, and I used to have one, but it wasn't as nice as that. And it turned out this is what you said to a dragon, if you wanted to become friends. Back in the present, her phone buzzes. New message. It's Parrot, Liz's boyfriend. Ashley's only met him a couple of times, but he fits Liz's type. Big, attractive, confident. Apart from the big thing, kind of like Liz. Hey, Ash, is Liz at yours? Yes, she types. Again. What's going on with you two? Dumb argument? Stupid stuff about a cat video? You know what she's like. Embarrassed to talk about it, TBH. How is she? She's fine. She's just in my house. Again. I'm really sorry. She's such a drama queen. And I know I'm not blameless. I go overboard sometimes too. Can I come and bring her home? Ashley rubs the bridge of her nose. Part of her is screaming, yes, get the interloper out. But Liz is still her sister, and she asked to stay. Give it a day. There's a pause. She can see Parrot's typing icon appear and disappear a few times before finally it comes up with... Okay. Ashley turns her phone over and begins an email to DNP. She comes home to hell on earth. Her holiday mementos are boxed. Her copies of Once Upon an Ice Age are in a different order. Her scrapbook is lying flat on a different shelf. Hey! Liz says. Despite the sweltering heat of the flat, she's got a woolen jumper over the top of something strappy. Classic Liz. Fashion over practicality. How was your day? I got that drip under the sink fixed. I was just doing a bit of cleaning. (laughs) Figured I should earn my keep. Why are all my things boxed up? They're all out of order. That that quartz isn't anything to do with the elephant. And where's... Have you thrown out my cobblestone? That was from Prague. No, I haven't. It's all in the box. Liz is looking confused. I'll put it all back. I just wanted to dust the surface. Where will you put them back? 
Did you take a photograph? Do you know where they went? Stop touching my things. If I have to have you here, stop touching my things. Ashley rounds on Liz, squaring up. She's expecting an argument like when they were kids, but Liz is flinching away from her. She sits on the sofa, head bowed, staring at the floor in front of Ashley's feet. I'm sorry, she says, in a voice so small you'd expect a particle accelerator to be hunting for it. I should have asked, I'm sorry, I won't touch your things again. Liz's phone buzzes and she jumps. It falls onto the sofa cushion next to her and she makes no move to pick it up. Do you want me to put them back? No, no, it's okay. I'll do it. Okay. Liz gets up and goes back to the spare room, leaving her phone behind. Ashley picks it up to pass it back and sees that Liz did, in fact, take a picture. Several. From multiple angles. Classic passive aggression, Bren says the next day. Trying to make you feel like you're the bad guy? Yeah, I know. And it's like insulting she thinks I wouldn't realise that. New tricks, same Liz. New? Well, she was always more a fan of aggressive aggression in the past. Did I tell you that back in school she threatened to break someone's nose once? Only didn't get suspended because it was her word against the other girls. That was a while ago, though. No offence. Much taken. And I mean, yeah. But even when we've got together recently, we've had a fight, like, two times out of three. How long since you've seen her? A few months, I guess. Huh. Bren looks like she's thinking about something. So, you've not seen her in a few months. You argue all the time, but you still just let her stay. Well, yeah. She's an entitled drama queen, but she's still my sister. And it is nice to see her, you know. We used to hang out all the time. We'd go out with her friends and they'd get me into movies that I was far too young for. Almost worth her making fun of me all the time. And now, like, yeah, we fight and then we make up. Oh, like makeup sex. But I guess less incest. I'm gonna take a minute to forget you ever said that. Yeah, granted, me too. There is a pause, and Bren says, You were the weird kid at school, right? You could tell, right? Yeah, there was like a billboard or seven? You get bullied? No, believe it or not. Well, some, but not as much as you'd expect. Mostly people just left me alone. That's why I was always hanging out with Liz's friends. There was a bit when I started. I'd get my bag stolen, that kind of thing, but it just kind of died out. Just after your sister threatened to break someone's nose? Yeah, Ashley laughed. Weird, right? You'd think having a psycho sister would just make me a bigger target. Bren raises an eyebrow. What? Bren sighs. Maybe you want to try replaying this conversation to yourself. Ashley does. Her expression changes. Oh, God. She slumps forward over the keyboard. I'm a horrible person. 
Nah, you're just a bit of a jerk. But so is everyone else. I wouldn't worry about that. What I would worry about is Joan. She's been looming at Pete for a while, and I reckon you've got five minute tops before she comes over here. Oh, crap. Ashley shoves her phone into her bag and grabs her coat. Tell her I've gone to see DMP to find out what's going on. Is that actually where you're going? Sure, why not? Ashley hurries out of the office, but does not go to see DNP. Instead, she goes to see the dragon. Ashley passes the treasure hunters just around the corner from Westmoreland. They must have only just left. They're obvious when you know what to look for, just in combats and running shoes, both looking like professional sprinters. Not stupid. Stupid treasure hunters carried swords or guns. Smart ones knew the only way to defend against a dragon was to be somewhere the dragon wasn't, as fast as possible. As she approaches, she notices another two key details. One, their backpacks are empty. Two, they are unhappy about this. So where's the horde? One says as they pass. Where's the goddamn horde? I don't know, man. Maybe it's stuck it all in Bitcoin. I bloody paid half a Bitcoin for this tip. Tip was good. They can't lie. Then where? The voices drift away down the street. In Westmoreland House, the dragon is repositioning itself atop the stack and managing to seem both smug and annoyed. Ashley, it says. Oh, you have bad news. How did you know? I could claim kinship with my fellow dragon kind, but your expression is the biggest giveaway. God damn it, is there anyone in this damn city that can't read me like a book? I have not performed the relevant experiments to discover such. I assume this is about the building. Yeah... Ashley slumps onto her seat. Pepsi immediately leaps onto her lap and mews loudly for a hug. Ashley scoops him into the crook of her arm and scritches behind his ears. I don't know why, but the higher-ups are really pushing on this place. There's going to be a load of due diligence and consultation, so it won't happen tomorrow, but... But I think it will happen. I don't know if I can stop it. Ah. Is unfortunate. I'm sorry. Don't be. I know the fact you are not certain of success will not stop you trying, and I am grateful for that. In the meantime, I will hunt for alternative caves. Maybe I will find one with a cat flap. In Ashley's lap, Pepsi squeaks with approval. However, the dragon continues. That is not the only thing you're upset about. No, it's not, Ashley says, and tells the dragon about Liz. It isn't the kind of thing she usually talks to the dragon about, but it's as interested as it is when she's telling a story about any other piece of her collection. I understand, the dragon says. You were careless and damaged part of your hoard. 
It hurts, of course. But you can fix it. It will be fine. No, it's... Ashley shakes her head. She's not part of my horde. She's my sister. That's completely different. It doesn't sound different. She is precious to you. She is part of your horde. And you may be part of hers if she is also dragon. We're not dragons! Ashley shouts. She wants to get up, throw her hands in the air, but that would dislodge Pepsi and so is unthinkable. I'm not a dragon. I'm just me. The dragon snorts. When you first came into this place, what did you see? Ashley looks at the scooter, the records, the beautiful guitar with the scratches over the body. Things that had been loved. Indeed. Precious things. Those hunters came, and they saw a pile of junk and a tramp asleep in the corner. They were extremely disparaging and, frankly, lucky to survive. You saw my hoard for what it was, because you have your own. But <laughs> they're just my things. Precious things. Most people make memories like they make footsteps and leave them behind just as fast. You sculpt them and collect them and let no one else touch them. You sleep surrounded by precious things. The dragon finally turns to face her. Dragon. That's not how it works. There was a rumble as the dragon laughed. Of the two of us, which do you suppose is the better authority on dragons? If I'm a dragon too, don't I get a say? I have had significantly more practice. You haven't even realised you're a dragon yet. I can't fly. I don't breathe fire. I'm just... Me, a pile of weak meat. Birds fly. Cigarette lighters breathe fire. They are not dragons. You do neither, but you are a dragon. The smoke dispersed slightly, then condensed again. A shrug, Ashley realises. I don't make the rules. Her phone buzzes, startling Pepsi off her lap. It's Parrot. Hey, I message Liz. Gonna pick her up. She'll be out of your hair by the time you get home. Oh, crap. I have to go. Very well. Remember, you are a dragon. I don't think that'll help. The dragon settles itself on its hoard and has never sounded so confident of anything in its life. Being a dragon always helps.
She opens her front door to the smell of garlic and chilli. She can hear a radio programme playing in the kitchen and the sound of things being fried. Liz pokes her head into the corridor. Oh, hi. I didn't expect you to be back so soon. I was cooking some lunch. Do you want some? Her eyes suddenly widen. Ashley sees her deflate like a balloon as she automatically flinches down. Is that okay? I hope it's okay. I bought all the food myself, so I'm not using any of yours, I should have asked. No, it's fine. Of course it's fine. Some lunch would be lovely if you've got enough. Thanks. Liz brightens, swells up again like she's been pumped full of air. She gets another pair of tomatoes from the fridge and hums while she chops them up. She's got the window open to let out some of the heat. Still wearing the jumper, though. Parrot told me he was coming round, Ashley says. Liz stops chopping, stops humming, starts chopping again, slowly, deliberately. Oh, she says. Already? Yeah, I thought he said he told you. No. Oh. Ashley can tell there's something here she's not seeing, but she pushes the thought away. She'll ask later. Anyway, I wanted to make sure I saw you first. I just... I wanted to say sorry for yelling at you. I shouldn't have done it. You were just trying to help, and you really were helping. This place was a train wreck before you showed up. No, I shouldn't have done it. I should have asked permission. Ashley laughs. You've never asked anyone for permission for anything. And I mean it. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have snapped. Ashley puts a hand on Liz's arm. Liz gives a short cry of pain, the knife skidding out of her hand and knocking chopped up tomatoes onto the kitchen floor. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. I'll clean it up. I'm so sorry. Liz is on the floor already, scraping up the food. Ashley is staring at her hand, then at Liz's arm. Liz, take your jumper off. No, I'm quite cold. I'm fine, really. Liz? Ashley is feeling the urge to yell. She forces it down. Liz? Liz, please. Show me. Liz stands up and meekly pulls it off. Her arms are a swirling oil slick of bruises. A horrible, marbling pattern. Liz? Ashley finds she's having trouble forming words. What happened? Liz mumbles. I... I... He didn't mean to. It was my fault. I shouldn't have said those things. And suddenly, Ashley can't see the bruises, or Liz, or the kitchen. Can't see anything but rage. I'm going to end him. I'm going to strangle him with his own tongue. No, 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 please. Ash, he's just emotional, and I'm sorry, I should have told you, but it'll be fine, I'll be fine, I promise. On cue, the doorbell buzzes. Liz closes her eyes. I'll get my things. No. Ashley holds up a hand. I'll get rid of him. You stay here. I mean that. Stay here. Stay as long as you like. She turns for the door, but Liz pulls her back. No, I'll go. It's better this way. He's usually fine. He has no right to do that to you. He should be in jail. No, I know, but I can't watch him do it to you too. He won't. 
Ashley opens the front door to find Parrot there, smiling. Still handsome, gym rat muscles filling the sleeves of his shirt. Ash, hi. Uh, didn't expect to see you here. No, I figured. Liz is staying here. Get out. Parrot's smile vanishes. Ash, I like you, but I don't like being talked to like that. She's precious, and you hurt her. You're going to leave. I'll have Liz's stuff picked up. Parrot laughs and bends down to Ashley's level so their foreheads are almost touching. She's mine, and I'm taking her. What makes you think some little bitch like you can stop me? Ashley doesn't break eye contact, just steps forward. Startled at the intrusion into his space, Parrot stumbles backward, and then when he looks at Ashley, he scurries several steps more. Parrot is used to being the predator, but every part of his body is suddenly screaming that it wants to be somewhere Ashley isn't and be there now. Ashley cannot see that her shadow has grown wings, or that smoke is rising slowly from the corners of her mouth. She doesn't need to. Because I'm a dragon, she says. And I'll set you on fire. Modem Prometheus is written by Neil Merton, performed by Kate Angier, and with music and production by me, Chris Oten. Check out my other show at lostterminal.com. It's got more science and less dread. If you like what we do, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash modemprometheus. If you're not ready for that kind of commitment, please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. Our next story, due on the full moon, is about an abomination, and possibly, also, love. Should a cat come wandering up to you in the city twilight and ask for fuss, you know what to do.